Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a podcast that came from another podcast that was better than this one and more well-known, yes. we think. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Welcome to the first episode of our new, new mini-series, Backdoor Lovers. <laughs> and I hear you Not saying- Not a working title. Final decision. We're going with that. It's, it's in recording. Backdoor Lovers. Uh, is the name of this miniseries. And I can hear you, listeners. I can hear you saying, wait, didn't you just do a miniseries? Aren't you in the middle of another miniseries? Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're doing them both. Yeah. During the off-season, Dan and I both came up with miniseries ideas. I came up with parental control. Dan came up with this. And then we had a big fight. Blood was drawn. <laughs> there were there was a war. Uh, people had to be Team Marty or Team Dan. It split, it split our fan base in half. My fiance went Team Marty on that, which I did not see coming. It, it, it ripped families apart. Tore the nation apart. <laughs> then we were said, you know what? Let's go ahead and do both of them. So we're doing, we're, right, we're a podcast and we're doing two miniseries at the same time. Uh, it's never been done before. <laughs> Certainly not by those fuckers at Blank Check. Yeah. It's never been done by any podcast ever before, probably because it's a horrible idea. <laughs> We're kind of doing confusing. a dueling banjos thing with miniseries a little bit. Also, we were supposed to record another episode of Parental Control, but the uh, the guest, my sister, uh, got COVID. Yeah. So thanks, uh, thanks, Joey B, for saying that that pandemic was over. Yeah. That was fun. Completely uh, fucked my Sunday, so good job. I, I mean, obviously, the the worst situation here is my sister, yeah, who has COVID. Less than ideal. Uh, so, Dan, why don't you go and tell us? This one was your idea, so why don't you go and tell the listeners what the fuck this is? So, uh, a backdoor pilot is uh, defined as an episode of a successful TV show where they do an usually awkward transition to a different cast of characters and a different premise within the show. I think most people our generation would recognize the Shroot Farms episode of The Office, yes, uh, where suddenly yeah. they're just like, here's a bunch of characters, and here's their dynamic. Wouldn't you be interested in their misadventures? It's usually to capitalize off the success of an existing show for a premise that more often than not is dumb. <laughs> usually it's pretty mediocre, and backdoor pilots don't tend to work. So the idea was we'll go through the limited number of uh, of them and pick out the ones that are the dumbest. We've done one backdoor pilot uh, on the show before. We did the pilot for Gomer Pyle USMC, which was the end of the last season of the Andy Griffith show. That show that we used to do. You know, the show that we used to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it again. I don't care. Uh <laughs> One day. Well, someday. Someday we'll return to Mayberry, and we'll watch the made-for-TV movie Return to Mayberry. Yes. Oh, that's how we come back. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, we, we just come back with season five like normal. Uh, But so, we, we're doing some dumb ones, Uh, and boy, today's is is dumb. Yeah, it's really fucking stupid. It's so stupid. It's, it's everything I wanted out of this miniseries of um just... The main cast of characters being dragged, kicking and screaming into a pilot for a different, worse version of the same show. In this case, quite literally kicking. Yes! So we are doing Season 4, Episode 23 of 
Charlie's Angels. Yeah. We're doing, but I, I hope you didn't want us to talk about the Angels or anything, though, because that's not what this is about. We're doing season four, episode 23, Tony's Boys. Tony's Boys. Tony's Boys. The, Tony is spelled with an I. <laughs> the boys are in the house, and Tony has brought them. Uh, a, a phrase that has infinitely charmed me more than you. I have just been like sitting on my couch for the last 24 hours just going, Tony's boys, Tony's boys, just over and over again. It's like verbal chocolate to me. Tony's boys, season four, episode 23, originally airs April 2nd, 1980, uh, written by Robert James and Catherine Machiellen Powers, Mm -hmm. directed by Ron Satloff. None of these names mean anything. Yeah, I know. Some Uh, fucking people. And here is your synopsis from the ultra empowering... (laughs) Charlie's Angels Wiki. Uh, When the angels are marked for murder, Charlie hires his gal pal Tony, Tony spelled with an I, Mm -hmm. it is short for Antonia, and her three hunky detectives (laughs) to protect the girls. A battle of the sexes ensues that the angels may not mind losing. Yeah, okay, so up top, Marty, would you define these gentlemen as hunky? Were the standards different for hot guys in the 70s? <laughs> they just looked like somebody's dad. Like, they they looked like they would be picking me and my friends up from soccer practice. There is one of them, one that I could see maybe being, like, a little bit of a heartthrob. But, but, but before we even get into that, so so here's, here's the setup. We're setting up a, a pitch for a... TV show presumably called Tony's Boys, which I guess would be like Charlie's Angels, but uh, it's an elderly woman who is in charge of the detective agency, and she has three hunky guys who are doing the work. So basically, Charlie's Angels, but with boys, which is a thing that nobody wanted. (laughs) The entire thing that made charlie's angels special it was it was like you know all those hard-nosed cop shows about solving mysteries and kicking ass what if we did one of those but with ladies and this is like but what if we did that but back to the first thing (laughs) those already existed there were already so many dude detective shows yes they so they did like a copy of a copy and it's just this weird meaningless nothing because it it dares to ask the question, what if a group of white men had adventures on television? <laughs> it's so it's so ill-advised. And they try to do it with like the tone of Charlie's Angels, which was very like 70s kind of girl powery. It's- it's also silly. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Uh, more than anything, it kind of reminded me, at least this episode reminds me of the A-Team. Like, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of the A-Team comes from it, but the A-Team is also like, it has an identity. Yeah. It's silly, but it's also like hard-nosed and, and, and badass and like... Uh, it's and, and ODing on testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, here's, here's Charlie's Angels... Um, this is also, by the way, at the end of season four, like of Charlie's Angels, which has already gone through numerous cast changes by this point. So it's like at the lowest point of of Charlie's Angels popularity. They're gonna get like another season that they're just limping along. 
So that's exactly when you want to promote your uh, your new thing, right? Yeah. You're really going to capitalize off of the uh, the dwindling ratings that this show is getting with its least popular cast. So the the successful version of this is a spin-off where you take one of the successful characters that people like and you give them their own show. Uh, and this is just like, what if we took the exact tone of this and just did a, ver- a shittier version of something that's already failing and hope that it like somehow dry humps its way into audiences' hearts. It, I just I I can't see who this appeals to at all. Oh, uh, I do. I figured it out about halfway through. Um, okay, but so I we're we're gonna jump ahead. There's a a male stripper scene, and I think I figured out partway through that this is and now something for the ladies. Dudes oh got God. to ogle some sexy private detectives. But now it's time for mom's turn with some hunky fellas. All right, let's let's talk about this. Do you want? Are we, Dan? You're kind you're kind of in the driver's seat here. Do we want to go scene by scene through this, or do you want to like explain? Let's go a little bit scene by scene. I let's, think. Let's let's stay to the the rough structure. Um, okay. So I mean, should we even bother explaining what the so, fuck Charlie's Angels is? Everybody knows what Charlie's Angels is. I mean, do you, a better question, Dan, is uh, what. What knowledge do you have of Charlie's Angels prior to this? I extremely little. I mean, I I think I saw bits and pieces of the uh, the mo- the the Cameron Diaz movies. I w- I've watched both of those. Uh, they are bad movies, but as an you know older, I thought these are actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um. Um. I think it was. It, so my understanding, based off of that and just general cultural osmosis, was it was an action adventure show that was a. Thinly veiled pretense to get horny during the day. Where I mean, there's there's a big debate about it, and it takes up a good chunk of the Charlie's Angels Wikipedia page. It's like, is this empowering or is it uh, exploitative? And Dan and I are not going to weigh in on that at haven't all. Haven't seen like, enough episodes. Shut up. <laughs> uh, there, one of the opening shots was one of them in a bikini, so I think they at least do a little bit of the exploitation stuff. But maybe it was I mean, fine. Who- Whatever. I, yeah, we, maybe. We aren't th- you know what? I'm, g- I'm also going to say this. Uh, I'm going to take it back. The Charlie's Angels 90s movies are well made. They're good movies. Yeah. Right. Bill I'm, Murray I'm, I'm, choked I'm, out the director in one of them. That rules. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, so this opens up. With, so Charlie's Angels. All right. It's three women. They work for a dude named Charlie that they've never seen. They run it. He's part of a detective agency. They're sexy and they're witty and... They all have different skills, and they were all cops, but they were blah, blah, blah. You know, because they were women, they were discriminated against. So this guy named Charlie, I always thought that they were spies, because the whole thing seemed much more fitting to them being like... Being spies. Yeah. Yeah, No, they're not. They're, They're private detectives. Private detectives with a shadowy patron who they never see and gives them... Uh, complex assignments. It seems way more like secret agent shit, but that's, instead they're private investigators. So that there it is. That that's Charlie's Angels. You know this, and this is late in the Angels. I didn't realize that Farrah Fawcett was only on like one season of this. I thought she was like the big draw. She, that's she got in. She got the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is from one episode, but the Charlie's Angels, from me watching, were extremely interchangeable. Uh. I could not I, differentiate between them at all. There are there there are two blonde women, and one is slightly taller. Uh, one of them is brunette, 
didn't help. I kept losing track of which was which. Um, they don't seem to have like distinct personalities. They or like unique skills. Like at least with the with the boys, they're like this one's uh, this one can do this and this one can do this. Well, may, we 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 don't know that, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe that's because we haven't watched it. But ha- but okay, so this episode, uh, this the this is the latter angels, Jacqueline Smith playing Kelly Garrett, Cheryl Ladd playing Chris Monroe, and Shelley Hack playing Tiffany Wells. Um, this episode opens with uh, an attempt on Kelly's life. Kelly, uh, yes, Kelly's the brunette. Kelly is driving. She's going to a birthday party or something she's going to one of the other angels birthday party and uh she got her a present and at some point there's a couple of guys in a car watching her do this just parked in front of her house one of them is his name is fuck i can't find it in my notes the actor's name is robert loggia oh that's robert loggia that's Robert Loggia. Fuck it, I don't care about what the character's name is. He's Robert Loggia. Yeah, Robert Lo- <laughs> Robert Loggia is the bad guy in this one. Yeah, Robert Loggia is sitting uh, in in a car with basically a carbon copy of Robert Loggia with more hair. Just two Robert Loggias sitting in a car going like, yes, yes, you've swapped out the present. You did such a good job. And he goes, that's right. I got the same kind of wrapping paper. And he goes like, Cool, good, good hit, man. Crushing it. Really proud of you. Uh, so they uh have replaced. <laughs> no, I'm the... sorry. I want to. I want to spend another minute or yeah, so on that. On this right. dynamite, <laughs> pun intended, uh, assassination Mur- attempt. Yeah. Okay. Look, I have never planted a car bomb. Yeah. But. Oh, okay. Never mind. It's not a car bomb. Are you he remembering the... a time that you did plant a car bomb? Right. No, there was that one time yeah. that, I mean, there have been Irish car bombs, and that's why I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm, I was going to say, like, normally you put the bomb under the car, but you weren't just trying to kill Kelly. He was put he put the bomb in the package, hoping that Kelly would bring the package into the house. <laughs> it would blow up. It would kill all three of them. I mean, have Which, you... Hang on a second. I just, I can't... They're already operating on Looney Tunes logic where Bugs Bunny goes up to Daffy Duck and says, package for you, and then it's full of dynamite. (laughs) That's basically what they do. They hand her a box of dynamite and hope she doesn't shake it or wonder what that ticking is. Okay. And it almost works. It almost works. The only reason why it doesn't work is that Kelly leaves the package in the car. She goes in, hangs out with her friends. Talk, gossips a little bit, gets a little present from Bosley. Women be yakking, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then she goes, "Oh wait, I left one in the car." And she goes out to go to, and then the car blows up. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I mean, they were foiled by her having only two arms. <laughs> yes. They didn't plan for the variables of maybe she leaves it in the fucking car. They did. They didn't uh, arrange for you know. They didn't count the possibility of small talk among <laughs> friends. 
Um, they didn't, they, you know, normally when one of these fails, they're like, oh, we didn't account for some minute variable, but they didn't account for literally any variables. They just basically like put a bomb somewhere and hoped that everything would go great. And, and then the guy's like, oh man, this is a mark on my pristine record as a hitman. Yeah. There's an entire <laughs> scene later where the hitman's like, oh, you know, once I start one of those countdowns, it won't stop. How was I to know that she would... Take a little bit more time. What yeah. if she got stuck in traffic, man? <laughs> yeah. the, and then, uh, uh, and then, uh, is it? And then Robert Loggia is surprisingly supportive, where he's like, "Listen, man, you can't beat yourself up. Yeah, uh, you tried your best. You tried your best. And that's what's important. And you know, we I'm, all lose from time to time. And and you, it was a good murder attempt, bud. And you know, you'll get back out there. We got plenty of tries." You, you just can't you can't dwell on your mistakes. It's not productive. A very supportive mob boss, Robert <laughs> Loja is, I would say. I'm did sorry, you, I can't get. Did a, you what notice? If, what if she fucking? <laughs> what if she fucking got food on the way and the car blows up in the Jack in the Box drive-through? Just just what? wipes out an Arby's. <laughs> I mean. It's such a stupid, stupid fucking plan. <laughs> Which, the best thing is, they're right there, and they have guns. Just <laughs> presumably. Shoot. Right, right. You you clearly know where these girls are going. Yeah. You know you know where their, their office is. Right? These women all use their real names all the time. Yeah. You know their residential mailing address. Yeah, you're at her house. Yeah. Just go inside and shoot her. <laughs> Throw a grenade. for. You could take the same bomb that you gift wrapped and we're so proud of your wrapping job. That's my way. I really, I, I love, I love how, how, like, they wrapped it perfectly to match. How did they know what that looked like? How do they know how? how That's because he's a pro, man. That's how you know the guy is a pro. Is he's able to perfectly mimic a gift wrap job. How did they know what Kelly's gift wrap looked like? They would have had to watch her wrap it. In which case, they okay. Wait, wait. Maybe, 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 maybe it was gift wrapped at the store. But still. Yeah. You would have had to have seen. Okay. They okay. found a bomb in the same size or shape as the present that she got. Yeah, wait a sec. Okay, yeah. It's an insane plan. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm sorry. We we haven't gotten past the first half of the first scene, and I can't stop thinking about this. The worst assassination it... attempt I've ever seen. Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe Kelly got a gift wrap at the store. That's fine. But they would have had to have been close enough to see the wrapping, how it was done at the store, get a box of the same size and shape, Put the bomb in the box. Maybe have the bomb box gift wrapped <laughs> at the store, like by the most. Uh, like, like, like. like again, let so, me like, I mean, maybe, maybe have the bomb gift wrapped at the store. Maybe they, maybe they kind of shoved it in the box, like when you steal a pair of shoes and mm-hmm. you just leave your old shoes in the shoe box in the store, like. So they, which means they really counted on the steady hands of the 14-year-old working the counter, where they were like, man, hope he hasn't been drinking behind the store today, because otherwise we're going to annihilate this TJ Maxx. I haven't even mentioned how they get the package in the car. Jacqueline, Kelly walks out, she puts the package in the back seat, they use their car phone, remember, they're parked across the street. 
They use their car phone to call her house. They have her phone number. <laughs> she runs back in to answer it. They drive up and pack behind it. Robert Loge's henchman gets out, swaps the packages from the car, and then and they get in the package and drive away. Apparently hoping that Kelly doesn't look out her window? Yeah. Like... And then she answers the phone, and he goes, oh, sorry, wrong number, and then hangs up. And then they drive away. He does, like, a British accent for it for some reason. Uh, and that's and that's how it goes. And that's and then they drive to the party, and it blows up in the Charlie's Detective Agency parking lot, so I guess. So an alternate pitch I have is you take that bomb that you so delicately gift-wrapped, and instead of planting it in her car, you take it, and you walk up to the house, and you throw it through the window. <laughs> equal likelihood of killing all of them i would say if not better (laughs) so yeah so that's the first scene is the most half-assed assassination attempt made by a bunch of guys who are very emotionally supportive of each other boss keeps his henchmen out of a shame spiral she goes out to see her car blown up and the next scene is her talking to charlie and he's like are are you all right stacy and she's like i'm fine uh, my car is totaled, by the way. And he's like, well, cars are replaceable. People aren't. And then she's clearly like, so are you going to reimburse me? Yeah, or... I mean, that's a really expensive car. Yeah, like... that's not kind of the response I was kind of hoping for. Don't worry, I'll take care of it, Stacy. This was kind of technically an on-the-job accident. Charlie also mentions that, like, there was another accident or something, like, an attempt on them last week as well. Yeah. Uh, The only way that this setup works is if we just ignore everything that the past four years of Charlie's Angels has stood for. If we just suddenly decide that the Angels are completely helpless and incapable of doing their own shit uh, and... I'm sorry, it's been four years. These aren't the first... This isn't the first time someone's tried to kill the angels. Uh, presumably, I'm assuming that somebody's tried to blow up their house at least twice at this point. Because you're on the fourth fucking season. And each season is like 30 episodes. So, yeah. So, basically, the the angels just become helpless dipshits for this. They kind of... They're not even like... They don't even become helpless dipshits because they're like hey, we're still Charlie's angels and we kind of deal with this stuff a lot and, you know, none of us are hurt or anything, so we got this. And the rest of the show is like, shut up. No, you don't. Charlie is like, shut up. Quiet, you silly women. (laughs) Yeah. I know that this was empowering 20 seconds ago, but now it's not. Uh, so, like, the the thing is, they don't become dumber and they they are under no, at no point in this uh, backdoor pilot okay with the backdoor pilot happening these charlie's angels are just like off in the corners smoking and just like this is some fucking bullshit right fuck this fucking hate these guys (laughs) stupid look at them running around thinking they're hot shit four seasons of this get they're getting benched by this fucking captain america looking asshole it, they straight up say that. They call him Captain America, Lone Ranger, and... James Bond. James Bond, yeah, yeah. Which are, I mean, that's that's not an insult. Those are all three cool dudes, but it's, it's I, I get I get what you're getting at. It's basically like when you know you're about to get fired and they ask <laughs> you to train your replacement. It that's this episode. Yeah, and, and it's like a nepotism hire. Like you're asked to train the boss's nephew uh, for oh, a job man. that is conspicuously three... close to yours. 
these three dudes have big producer's nephew energy. 100%. Like, I, I can't, I can't find a speck of personality amongst all three of them. You know what? I, I take that back. I take that back. It takes a while to get there, but I, I do like the final, like, showing off their skills scene. Like, the final yeah. scene of this is, is kind of fun, but it takes forever. Uh, Kelly, Chris, and Tiffany go to uh, this mansion that they've never, for this lady they've never heard of, and they see this woman named Tony, Antonia. Antonia is played by Barbara Stanwyck. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barbara Stanwyck, I thought, well, that name sounds familiar. Let me look up, where do I know Barbara Stanwyck from? And the answer is, every movie that was made between 1927 <laughs> and 1957. She worked a lot. Mostly I've seen, the, the movie I remember her from is called Double Indemnity. Uh, with uh, Edward G. Robinson and Fred McMurray. That's a fun little uh, little film noir. Uh, but we're going to hear Barbara Stanwyck again. Barbara Stanwyck is the main character, one of the like matriarchs of a Western show called The Big Valley <laughs> that ran from 1965 to 1969. That's the next episode we're doing of uh, Parental Control. Uh, our guest Adam Tatteris chose that, so we're going to see Barbara Stanwyck again. Um, Barbara Stanwyck is bringing a big "I need this paycheck" energy to the to the acting. She's at the very end of her career. Like, yeah, she, she is pulling out all the fucking stops. She is gunning it. There is like a hunger in her eyes for this to be picked up. Yeah, so she is is doing a lot. Of, I think at this point you could get Barbara Stanwyck to show up to stuff, and she was best known as. The lady from the Big Valleys, or the Big Valley. So if you got her, it was like a a special thing that you would have for a couple of episodes. Uh, but yeah, she's hamming it up. She's yeah. like, this is my thing now. Oh! And so she comes in. She's like, hello, I'm a big, broad personality. <laughs> These are my boys. Like, she kind of acts like a John Mulaney character. That's like, oh, yes, yes. Really more like John Mulaney. She, she gives the delivery of John Mulaney doing Mick Jagger. That's... <laughs> That's kind of how she approaches this whole thing. Uh, a John she, Mulaney gay character, basically. And she, yes. And she uh, she introduces her boys. Oh, she, boy. These I, boys I, suck. The, the thing also, I really stop can't calling ever, them boys. That, I have that in big letters on my notes of, oh, my God, are they going to call them boys the entire time? And yes. She like I thought it was going to be like one time be like, I'm Tony and these are my boys who I am now going to refer to as adult men for the rest of the episode. And instead, she's like, boys, get them. I got to be clear, like the, the youngest among these is like 33. <laughs> it's right. endlessly amusing to uh, to just hear a group of adult men refer to themselves as the boys. We're the boys. As they all do like a little pose when they jump into the room. Like, look out. Jump. The boys are here. Making trouble. So the boys are Cotton Harper, uh, a rodeo expert, like a bronco buster. Matt Parrish, an expert in weapons and master of disguise. And honestly, probably the only one that sounds like you could have them be in a spy agency. And Bob Sorensen. Um, Bob Sorensen, whose credentials end at a former Olympic champion. Done. <laughs> not like, not like in the army or anything like that. And his, they they are not clear as to what like his special ability is. He 
I thought he was going to like do gymnastics or something. It's running. He runs fast. He also pole vaults. He yeah. Also pole, which I, I, I've got a feeling if Tony's boys had become an actual show, every week we would have seen Bob like do a different event. Oh, he would have shot put it at a guy. <laughs> he, they would have worked in a pommel horse at some point. So, yeah, so they, they introduced the boys to Charlie's Angels. And at this point, the Angels have to go, We're, we all went through police academy. Yeah. Like, every one of us has formal, like, training. That guy rides a horse really <laughs> good. And that's what you're going to do? Okay. All right. Fine. The, whatever. The specific thing he says is he's great at riding and rope tricks. And the, like, fucking great. <laughs> yeah. I'm rolling my eyes at that credential, and so are the Charlie's Angels, who are, like, (laughs) doing mugs to the camera, basically, of, like, can you believe this horse shit? I'll tell you what none of them have on their fucking resume is acting classes. Oh, they're all terrible, especially the one that's playing an actor. He's the worst of them all. He eats complete shit. I, the guy playing Cotton, I noticed at one point in time, kind of, like, forgets that he's in a scene at, <laughs> at some point. Like, they zoom in on him, and it's the director's fault. They hold on to this cut for this shot for too long. But he, like, says a line, and then he just kind of looks off to the side, like, yeah. oh, what's that over there? What yeah. about the guy at the craft services table? Ah, better. <laughs> Look up, oh my god, they're still filming me. Oh, yes, yes, paying close attention to the thing you're saying. Right, it's, right. It's definitely... Hunches. It's, it's the face of an actor who is trying to figure out how many craft services sandwiches <laughs> he could fit in his pocket for the ride home. <laughs> That's trying, that face. He's trying to figure out if he can uh, pay his rent with stolen craft sandwiches tonight. <laughs> okay, I can, I can probably fit... Three or four sandwiches if I don't take the toilet paper from the bathroom. Oh. 100%. The one that's that's playing the cowboy is going home to his roommate and be like, listen, man, you just got to spot me this one more month. Once this pilot gets picked up, I'm good. I'm golden. I'm going to pay you back. Like, Tony's boys, it's going to be a thing. He's the one who had the best career afterwards. And by that, I mean, he's the one who has a picture on his IMDb <laughs> profile. <laughs> these dudes are so fucking lame they're such fucking losers both the characters and the actors the actors just exude failure which kind of bleeds into the characters which just makes like just these most the most pathetic dipshits just stumbling their way through the shittiest mystery ever a mystery that basically comes pre-solved Oh, you know what? Okay, he was on... That's how I recognize this dude. He was on Welcome Back, Cotter. Mm. Uh, and then this, and then basically nothing else. Right. Like three episodes of The Love Boat playing four different characters. <laughs> so, when the Charlie's Angels walk in to uh, Tony's mansion, um, they are introduced to the boys who offer them drinks seductively, and they're like, are we getting set up on a date is that's what that what's happening and those vibes do not let up like the they are it it genuinely has the energy of the charlie's angels are being seduced uh for a big hookup with all the boys yeah like it it definitely has like 
key party energy. They're offering them drinks and shit and being like, come sit down on the couch. It's really weird. Like, one of them should just be like, I thought my life was in danger. You guys are really, like, mixing the the tone of how I should be feeling right now. Uh, I want to go ahead and go back to the ultra titillating slash empowering mm-hmm. Charlie's Angels wiki. Uh, because something I noticed very weird. I think that the Angels Wiki people might be weirder than the Mayberry Wiki people, uh, and that's because each of these like episode summaries is written in a very specific way, like a specific format, like it is a dossier. So it it starts off synopsis case, and then case has m- like smaller bullet points: client, assignment, complication, romantic entanglements, outcome. So it's written like a debriefing, mm-hmm. memorable quotes. Things of note. It's written very formally, which I think is kind of funny. But I, I just, it's, it's also written like uncomfortably so. I'm gonna mm. read the case one for this client none, assignment none, complication none. Although I would disagree with that. Uh, romantic entanglements. All three angels were physically attracted to their saviors and rescuers. Ugh. Saviors and rescuers, especially Chris, who liked seeing Bob Sorensen with his shirt off. Earlier, Tiffany admired Matt Parrish's butt just before she locked him in the closet. That is some intense editorializing. I did not see any of that. Outcome. Tony's boys completely outsmarted the angels at every turn. The angels are proven incompetent and needed the handsome men to rescue them. All right, so... Somebody in the Charlie's Angels wakey wilding out on this. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and and lead to this lead with this. The Charlie's Angels wiki summary of for this episode is having the exact same problem as the episode itself, uh, and I'm gonna say most of Charlie's Angels, which is that it's clearly written by a man. Yeah, <laughs> and clearly written, produced, and developed by informed men. Although I was surprised to see that story and teleplay for this went to Catherine Machiellan Powers. Catherine, oh. Even ignoring the writing, like, so much of this episode is, like, this is what girls want. It's so much of it is 70s guys saying what they think 70s girls like. Right down to, like, if these guys being hot. If this was what 70s guys were bringing to the table on a regular basis, Jesus Christ, the bar has raised. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, it was, I as far as I can tell, it was fairly easy to be a sex symbol in the 70s. Yeah, man. Like... Just be like, I'm wearing a button-down shirt, and one of the top buttons is uh, is unbuttoned, and I have the same haircut as every man in a 60-mile radius. <laughs> My jaw it's, is almost square. Does that arouse you, women of America? And so, we touched on this a little bit in the, uh, in the I Dream of Genie episodes, but for the like late 60s into the 70s, like, you had this attempt, everyone was pushing... Some real, like, flat-top, square-jawed, like, standard men sex symbols kind of thing. Really pushing it. But the dudes that, I, as far as I can tell, were cleaning up the most were guys that looked like absolute shit. Yeah. Like Peter Falk. Yeah. <laughs> like Peter and Elliot Gould and because- Chris Christofferson. Those dudes were all rolling in it. Because they looked like human beings, <laughs> as opposed to just the sea of, like, just white dudes. Just, 
unbelievably interchangeable white dudes of like, what distinguishes you from the last 50 guys I talked to? Well, as opposed to uh, how most of them, those men were brunette. As you can see, I'm blonde. So, huh? huh? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you, you had your Dukes of Hazardses. Yeah. Uh, but I think even those guys like are popular because they had some kind of edge to them. Yeah. You know? These it, fucking Tony's boys are totally edgeless it fucking is dorkwads. Fucking nuts that to be like a sex symbol, a male sex symbol today, you have to have like 400 abs and also be a comedic genius. Yeah, And back exactly. then you could just be like, I'm here. I don't know. I got off a bus from Iowa. What's up? The guy who played fucking the cowboy dude literally is from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> so... Uh, have you, something just occurred to me, have you ever gone into, like, the behind-the-scenes part of a Wikipedia page and see how many people are screaming at each other back there? (laughs) I am just imagining that the the behind-the-scenes of the Charlie's Angels fan wiki is probably an absolute Donnybrook. Just, like... Just somebody, like, for the 400th time, stop posting feet pics to the Charlie's Angels wiki. It is not allowed and is not what we are going for here. So they're introduced to the fucking boys, uh, and the angels are the angels are having none of this shit. Yeah. The angels, they're like, well, we're your bodyguards now. We're going to follow you and do this stuff. And the we're then treated to, like, three separate scenes of the angels immediately proving that these guys suck shit. Yeah. Like, these dudes... Falling for the most obvious fucking thing. Like Cheryl so, Ladd Cheryl Ladd is basically just like, Oh, got your nose and, <laughs> and then runs away. The expert evasion maneuver of you hand you hand the guy a bunch of grocery bags and then drive away. Where she's like, Can you hold these please? Gets in car, fucking just just at a leisurely pace, drives away. The other one gets locked in a closet, like a dipshit, like an eight-year-old. That was literally the plot point of the Brady Bunch episode we did. There's, there, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't really remember the third one. Did she trap him under a laundry basket? Is that what she did, where she just put him under a laundry basket and then put something heavy on top of it? Is that what she did? What, what she actually did was, was put a cover over him so that it, so that it was dark and he thought it was nighttime and fell asleep. The, they got the fucking ringers here. No, no, what? No, she loses him in a car wash. She like she like convinces them that they both need to go through a car wash, and then while he's in the car wash, she drives away because car washes take a while, and you're stuck there, and you can't do anything. She 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 got him away from the car by distracting him with a laser pointer. So all three times the guys are like, ah, dang. Um, after all of these, they cut back to the bad guy who is, uh, you know, they're, they're commiserating and the guy's like, man, we blew our shot to kill her. We lost the element of surprise. And the boss is like, Hey, don't beat yourself up. I don't want any negative mindsets. So, um, we're going to kill them. I'm flying up North for up North business. And what we're going to do right now is, uh, here's a bottle of wine. Here's a bottle of wine. Both of you, here's my bottle of wine, and we're going to get wine drunk. We're going to get absolutely shit-faced, and then we'll figure it out in the morning. It's, like, again, great boss. <laughs> Not ideal for this situation of getting your two, giving your two hitmen a brutal hangover 
right before they have to try to assassinate people. <laughs> so then we go to that. Uh, but then, you know, thanks to plot armor, uh, the boys return. Uh, they, they're, they're back at the Charlie's Angels detective agency. They get there before, uh, um, before they do. So they, they basically get back to the mansion and they're like, well, that was fun. And uh, Terry is like, while you were away, I solved it. I figured the whole thing out. Um, I figured out uh, who is doing it, Robert Loggia, um, why he's doing it. You testified against him in court uh, and he's mad about it. I figured out how he's how he does it. Uh, he has a winery, so he now has resources. Here are all the businesses he owns. So we're done, basically, right? Like we, we the mystery's cracked. Um, we know who he is. We know why he's doing it. So, um, I guess you can just go to his house and like kick his ass, and then we're done. And they're like, "No, we got to investigate him for to something <laughs> to prove something." And it's just it's it's such a stupid. Like, once again, we have to make the Charlie's Angels dumb as fuck, right? Yeah. We figured it out by thinking about people who would want to kill you. Yeah. Cross-referencing that with people who are around. (laughs) As you'll see from this giant whiteboard, I wrote, means, motive, and opportunity down. (laughs) Did some fancy highfalutin detective work and figured out that there's a guy that has those... We know his residential address. Uh, so again, again uh, this only works. This is only impressive if you assume that the angels did not think of this themselves. Yes, they, none of them do anything. For some reason, the angels were never like okay. Like the angels themselves didn't have the idea of coming up with a list of people who don't like them. Yes. Why did you not have like? At least have the boys figure it out, right? Right. Um, no, yeah, the boys don't do shit. Tony does it all. Yeah, off screen. <laughs> you don't even have a thing of like, well, let's see if we can sleuth this out. They're like, they just come back from like dicking around with groceries in a car wash. And Tony's like, I did it. <laughs> Crushed it. Bye, guys. Oh, I'm glad you guys are doing. I'm assuming the super interesting part of the show over there on camera, while I was moving the plot forward significantly. Which straight up kind of begs the question: Why does Tony need the boys? Doesn't <laughs> Tony is quite clearly the lead detective on this case. I would argue that they, the boys, do nothing that Tony does not in the episode demonstrate herself capable of doing. Right. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's not even like Tony, like, oh, I need these boys to help me in a fight. Because later on, she starts a huge fucking brawl and <laughs> does quite well on her own. <laughs> so so she sends them out to uh, investigate uh, Robert Loggia's businesses, um, which includes a winery, a horse ranch, and a strip joint. And they pair off the angels with corresponding boy, and they're all going to investigate one of them. And in case you're wondering when they're going to get around to the strip joint, the one that made everybody's ears perk up, don't worry. They get right to it. They get right to it immediately. Yeah. Cut to the Olympian athlete and one of the angels, I don't I don't know which fucking one, walking into a strip joint and applying for a job as their singer. <laughs> so they basically apply for a singing job and a backup piano position at a 
a very str- not a burlesque place. Right, right. A, a sleazy strip club. It's it's 1980. We have strip clubs now. You don't need to hide them behind being like, oh, a nightclub with nightclub acts. You don't need to do that anymore. This is very no. clearly a strip club. No, and and like the show is like what like the the person that runs the strip club is like that's fucking stupid. I'm not hiring you to to play a piano. I'm hiring you to be strippers to take off your clothing for money. And they're like, "Take off my clothing." <laughs> they do it so long. She's like, "You take off your shirt." And he's like, "All right." Takes off his shirt. And then she's like, "All right. I'm going to hire you." And he's going to be like, "What instrument am I playing?" And she's like, "None." <laughs> And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So will I be a bouncer doing some sort? I'm not making this up. Am I going to be a bouncer or doing some sort of other job? And she's like, all right, I'm going to show you. (laughs) Daryl, get out here. And then she calls a stripper out and she's like, here is what you are going to be doing. And this is the point where I realized what they were going for with the, this is something for the ladies because they show a dude strip he does take his clothes off while dancing erotically um and where the failure is is it's the worst it's stripper so I've ever bad. Seen. first off first off he comes out and like all right he's he, he's he's in like he's in like a spaceship outfit with uh with a giant cod piece and i was like okay were you going for like a like a ziggy stardust kind of thing going on here like a, like a like a bowie sure that can work it's 1980 that's still a good so he takes off the helmet and he just then does gymnastics for a couple of minutes. He does a fist pump for a little while. Uh, he looks he... like an '80s Pilates video. He looks like like the warm ups <laughs> from from a, a video where you're about to start jazzercising. Blonde bowl cut never blinks. S- same expression on his face the entire time. Big open mouth smile never blinking. B- eyes wide. He looks like he was grown in a pod. He does not. He looks like he was just released from a cloning tube and was like, "You dance. This is all you need to know, Bobby." And he's just like, "Yeah." Like, I, I really wish we were recording the video on that because I made the face and ju- batted my head back yeah, and forth. Yeah, like, we're both dancing like doing as we this, do this. Like an idiot because this is an audio medium. We're not recording the video for this. <laughs> this this professional stripper dances the way I dance when I'm margarita drunk. It's really bad. And, and, like, and, and, and he again, gets pretty far into taking off his clothing. But it, it also looks like he's having trouble getting the spacesuit off. He just kind of like emerges from the spacesuit, <laughs> like, really like, like 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 Ace Ventura coming out of the rhinoceros's ass. Like there's, that's what he looks like. <laughs> there's a part where he's like taking his arm out of the sleeve, and they didn't cut when he was like, "God damn it, fuck." piece of shit like he's struggling they show him struggling to get his arm out of the sleeve folks and they we, we left can't it in we can't stress how long this scene goes on how long and then finally bob with all of his great detective skills goes oh he's a male stripper yes god damn uh, dude you weren't a mathlete uh, they more more time is spent on this random male stripper <laughs> than solving the mystery like it literally tony tony gets like 40 seconds to go here's the guy that tried to kill you and then they do like an uninterrupted four minutes of this guy deadpanning to the camera as he tries to squeeze his way out of a sequence jumpsuit 
Oh, and by the way, you might be wondering what was the point of any of this? What what here's the information that they get. Robert Loggia is pretending to be running a a a legitimate business. That's yes. It. That's, that's why you went to the strip club. That's yes. It. That's you all knew they that. They, that's all they fucking get from this. They they go to the uh, they go to the strip club and say like, all right, so we're gonna go to one of Robert Loggia's front businesses. So goddamn stupid. They go to one of Robert Loggia's front businesses with the explicit understanding that it is a front business, and then they get there and be like, what can you tell us about Robert Loggia? And she goes, this is one of his front businesses, and they're like, no, 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 no. She he she says he doesn't do this business anymore. He's trying to do a legitimate business. Right. So basically, they go to the strip club to learn that he's not in the strip club business anymore. So if anything, they have negative information. (laughs) They've wasted their time. If anything, we now know less than we did at the beginning of the stripper scene. So I think the question we should but, ask but here was: the, Was the boy helpful in this? Was this? What did they do was a the, better what, job as a result of there being a boy? Was the middle-aged man helpful? Like, was it helpful that he had to take off his shirt and show his weird non-abs? <laughs> His absolutely normal body, his incredibly normal, hu- normal human body, like, and and they're like, oh yeah, that's a good body, and I'm like, I mean, it's fine, it's, it's, it's a, sh- it's a body I would see at the public pool, yes. And to be clear, right, his, his again, his credentials are, uh. That he was a former Olympic athlete. And at this point, I would be asking, yes, please, uh, th- to be clear, which Olympics? Yeah. What year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the 1957 Olympics. Who was president? <laughs> <laughs> so the boy is, I mean, I would say moderately helpful. He keeps the, uh, He's the not- stripper talking slightly longer. Enough time to give them... No information. He's not helpful at all because he doesn't seem to be familiar with where they are. Yes. <laughs> this supposedly worldly dude is very is struggling a lot with, with the concept of a strip club. He's like, do you guys play piano here? Is that what this is? <laughs> I can kind of play the trumpet. That's what you want me to do here, right? So so the next so then we go off with uh I think it's Kelly. Yeah, it's Kelly. Kelly goes off with uh, the cowboy guy to a horse ranch. Mm-hmm. It's not interesting. I'm going to skip that scene he, entirely. He manages to get Kelly talking by doing cowboy stuff. He helps out with a horse. End of things. Well, I mean, I do want, I do want to point one thing out, which is that they pull up to the horse ranch, uh, and then Kelly says, why don't you let me handle the talk in here? Why don't you let me do this? They see a woman who's working at the ranch. And then I feel like the cowboy guy's got to be like, this is my one thing. <laughs> this is the only thing I do or know. We we could not be more in my element. Please. <laughs> I have to justify my paycheck here. I'm, pre- I'm assuming that cowboy ranches don't come up a lot in their police work. Um, and then he, the, the lady who's doing the horse stuff gets horny. So she's more willing to talk to him than he is, than she is to the angel. So that's like, that's one point for boys. I guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think they give any, she's just like, yep, he owns this ranch. Oh, 
Goodbye. Well, I, I want to jump back to the uh, to the strip club scene for a second because yeah. that scene We're ends. We're never going to escape the strip club scene. <laughs> that, that scene ends. I want to talk about the last couple of milliseconds of that scene, which is like he pulls himself out of the jumpsuit and now the jumpsuit's maybe like at his ribs. And he mm-hmm. kind of like reaches down to where his, you know, the, the normal zipper would be. And then it cuts away. And for like three milliseconds, we go back to, I think, Chris Monroe being a big smile. Yeah, she's like, yeah. yeah. And then, then we <laughs> I approve of this. Hard it's cut. really creepy. Hard cut. It's funny. I liked that bit. Yeah. Uh, and then, so then we get to uh, the final investigation, which is. Is this a modeling agency or some yeah, shit? He they, owns a modeling agency. They, they go to uh, oh, and didn't they say that he was involved in like a prostitution ring? So maybe I think the, the he uses the modeling agency for prostitution. He like lures him in with with why modeling. Not the strip club. That would make much more sense as a place to run a prostitution ring. But, All right. <laughs> yeah. So um, they go to the modeling agency, which is a fucking disaster because the boy is like well i'm a professionally trained actor uh so this is this is my wheelhouse this is like my version of the ranch um so we're gonna go in there uh and we're both gonna pretend to be actors obviously i'll get the part and he walks and be like do you have any acting work for me and she goes no fuck off get out of my office i hate you i hate your fucking face i have no work for you i'm come back in a couple of weeks which i'm saying in a way of Fuck off so hard and never darken my doorstep ever again, you piece of shit. And then he turns to the agent, but like, but you I can work with. And then he's just like, so I should come back in like tomorrow? Like he lingers. He's like, so do you want like a headshot or okay. when you say a couple of weeks, do you mean like a week, two weeks? But here's the thing. I think did, he does like a, he... I really need this job. Yeah, did, did, did he forget that he wasn't? actually auditioning or trying to show off photography (laughs) did did he forget he wasn't actually trying to get hired because then he actually leaves (laughs) he actually walks away he he actually goes all right bye and then leaves which is very bad because (laughs) (laughs) because bethany or whatever the fuck her name is is immediately kidnapped off screen where she just goes like uh where she just goes like all right bethany Let's talk about your modeling career. And then they hard cut back to the mansion where the boys are like, well, Bethany's kidnapped. (laughs) I goofed. Really fucked up there. Sorry, guys. I got my angel kidnapped. I I basically did the opposite of my job. So my B, guys, my B. Was he waiting in the car or something? How How long did he sit there before he was like, oh, shit. I think he actually went back to his apartment and was like, God damn it, Tim. You'll get the next one. You'll get the next one. You'll make it in this town. Oh, fuck. And then just like, <laughs> just drove to the mansion. <laughs> I'm assuming circled the block on the modeling agency and didn't see your car. So he was like, oh, guys. Or maybe they drove there together. So he just took the car and left her there. And he was just like, well, I'm assuming Bethany's been kidnapped. Uh, Seems like what they should do. Um, And no one is mad at him. Everyone's like, well, you know, that happens. Sometimes you get kidnapped by the bad guy when you walk directly in their business of a person that knows your face and address and is trying to murder you. Uh, maybe they'll have a, uh, 
the, I'm assuming the that Robert Loggia when that happened was like, oh, score. <laughs> That's a layup. I had a whole thing planned. I had more bombs. That's what I was. Get- but this is a layup. Sweet. Cool. I was. We were still working off the wine hangovers. This is great. <laughs> In fact, I gotta be honest. Every single one of these plans that they have involves the angels going to their murderer's place of business, <laughs> using their real names and not concealing their identities whatsoever. Because their plan to uh, save Tiffany is to go to like a wine auction or like some kind of weird fashion show slash wine auction. They're like, yeah, it's really weird. They're like, they're like showing off the new vintages, (laughs) showing off his new line of wines, which I'm sure is a thing that winemakers actually do. But like, I don't know. The whole reason the boys are here and it's not just the angels is because they explicitly say Robert Loggia knows your names and faces. So you can't do undercover work on this. That's why we need the boys because they know who you are and they'll see you coming and they'll be like, all right, so we're just going to do the same shit we do normally, but the boys are here now hanging out. (laughs) They don't, they don't use that information. They forget that the bad guy knows their faces. No, they and don't. Just... They don't forget because they spe- specifically say, oh, we're the bait. Mm. Later. Yeah. Next, they say we're the bait because this is the next plan they have, which is all right. So uh, super awesome. The weird, creepy butler comes in and is like, so the bad guy has actually invited you, Miss Tony, to a gala that he's having, which I think we suspect uh, the kidnapped angel will be at in a back room somewhere. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to send the angels in. Uh, he's going to try to kidnap both of them and just be like, Jesus, this is really my day. I'm I'm getting a bunch of freebies. And then you guys will spring the trap. Uh, and the angels are, are kind of like, well, this sucks. Yeah. I fucking hate this plan. We're dropping like flies and they're putting us more in danger. These are the shittiest bodyguards ever. Um, and then they do it and they go to the gala, which is like, yeah, like a, a model auction or something. It's really weird. Um, for his, uh, the winery that he's launching. Right. And, and, uh, there's a whole shtick uh, where the the angels have to get noticed by Robert Loggia, and this means they have to get on the stage. Yeah. Um, and, like, the boys come in in various disguises. Uh, the boy that's pretending to be a photographer goes back to the photography agency and be like, please, can <laughs> I have a job at the winery opening? Eh? And, then, and the lady is like, Aren't, weren't you with the woman I just kidnapped? Yeah. Didn't you show up in the same car? <laughs> and no, she's like, yeah, I don't fucking take a job. You've seduced me or whatever. I just, I, I had that same thought because, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> they did specifically say we're not together. And I guess this secretary slash kidnapper uh, had to have been like, well, I'll take them at their word for this. Yeah, I'll take the undercover person that I captured was here with uh, some guy that showed up very strangely at the same time and walked into my office basically holding hands. Uh, But yeah, sure, fuck it. Let's give you a job so that you could definitely not do any subterfuge. So he shows up. He's like, he's like 
an MC of some sort. He's like like the the arm candy for the models. Uh, one of them is the, one of them is like the date or whatever for Tony, and then uh, Bob is there as a flower <laughs> delivery guy. And he, I love I love Bob's bit because he just shows up. He's like, "Hello, I've got flowers to deliver here." And then a fight breaks out, and then you start punching. Like, his disguise <laughs> is useless. He has no disguise. The cowboy, who I'm get, I don't remember his name, so I'm going to start calling him Tex. It's, it's Tex Hopper? Shows up. Cotton? Something like that? Yeah. H- Hopper. He shows up, and he's like, remember, he's a cowboy, so he needs to be disguised. So he shows Actually, up in you're, the- you're very close. His name is Cotton Harper. Cotton Harper. He shows up in the biggest, dumbest cowboy hat I've ever seen. Basically a novelty cowboy hat. He looks like such a dipshit. (laughs) He's such a fucking asshole. It's like a cowboy hat that you would get at like a Wild West themed amusement park in the gift shop. It's like a cowboy hat that they would put on a little kid and be like, look at that kid wearing that crazy, crazy big hat. It might as well be made of foam. Uh, and he's just like walking around in it like a fucking idiot. Um, and then, so their plan is, uh, both the angels immediately get fucking captured and their plan to spring the trap is that Tony, who is, uh, talked her way into the gala and, uh, arrived at the table of Robert Loggia, uh, screams that she wants whiskey instead of wine, throws a bottle at somebody, and starts a massive brawl with just, like, 80 people beating the shit out of each other. But and- why? <laughs> why? Because the plan going in was that was that the angels would be kidnapped, and then they would follow the kidnapped angels to where the other one is. A thing uh- I would assume you would want to do extremely quietly, and yet... And yet, (laughs) the best scene of the ensuing fight is Tony, who is just whipping wine bottles at people, just like hucking. And they're just like, why? One of the boys just comes up and is like, why did you do this? And she's like, I don't know. And just hucks a wine bottle at a guy's face. (laughs) (laughs) There's one one cut in the fight, and these are all very badly choreographed fights, but there's one cut in there, it's just like, like, like suddenly comes to the bar where there are people and then just a chair comes off from off screen <laughs> just an, a chair comes flying through no idea who threw the chair no idea who they were throwing the chair at but a chair just flies off screen and just hits all of the bottles on the back of the bar <laughs> oh fuck it's just so good and then, and then and then cowboy cotton like chases the girls backstage uh but robert loge's henchmen pull a gun on him like not so fast cowboy and if he's like, I don't have a gun, even though I'm a cowboy detective. Uh, so yeah, I guess I, I guess you'll get away, and I'll and you'll lock the door, and that's it for me, cowboy detective, riding away. <laughs> the only way I can describe it is Tony and the boys set up a trap, and then they got so distracted by fist fighting that they forgot to do the trap. They're so. They were- <laughs> Bored with their own plan. I am also <laughs> bored. <laughs> it's but I didn't get paid for this. You did. They do like a debrief where they just kind of go like, <sighs> so what <laughs> happened there? We kind of lost control of the situation pretty much immediately. 
I think, were we supposed to, I think we came up with step A of the plan, which is infiltrate the gala and use the girls as bait. And I forgot, I think we forgot to do a step B. So we just started punching people. And then the angels got kidnapped. Shit. <laughs> like, they just, they just, like, they suck so bad. The next scene is the angels being fucking barricaded into a wall in a wine cellar. And I I saw this, uh, they, uh, we see a man, like, building a brick and mortar wall in the back of this wine cellar with the angels trapped in there. And I and I made the funny joke, like, haha, for the love of God, Montresor! But then they directly mention the cask of like, Amontillado. Like, like six times where they're like, oh, this is like the cask of Amontillado. I didn't know you were such a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe, Robert Loggia. And I, I, like the fifth joke, I was like, you can't, you made him do this. You can't do these bits. You're the one who like wrote him doing this. You can't satirize it. Like, don't give yourself a layup like that. That's just that's just one of the bits where, uh, like, the, the writers want you to know that they've read a book. Like, yes, one hundred percent. And then just like one guy at home is like, yes, yes, like literature. Um, so as they're doing that, uh, the actor boy, uh, rolls up in the shittiest in- fake beer <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, I I was I was like really winding up for it, but no, the, no, yeah, no. One of no. us had to yell it at the top of our lungs. It's an incredibly terrible beard. It looks like a toupee on his fucking face. <laughs> like it, if if that if somebody showed up and had that beard on their face, I'd be like. So do you have some sort of, like, medical issue? <laughs> like, is everything okay with your body? Do we need to go to a doctor now? You, you know how sometimes you see a person with, like, a zit or something on their face and or, like, and you, or like an ingrown hair and you're like, I want to pop that. Yeah. I want to pop that. It's weird. I can't just touch a, a stranger's face. I want to pop that. Every time I, I, I was like, I can see the seam. I want to pull it off. <laughs> I, I know. Can see, I can fucking see the uh, the spirit glue from here, man. Yes, Wait. it is incredible. It looks like they just like took part of a Chewbacca costume from a Halloween store and just snipped it out into a rough beard shape and then glued it to a guy's face. It's incredible, and it is accompanied by the worst. English accent I have ever heard. He drives up basically, ah oh, yes, pip pip, cheerio yes, hello, I'm here to sell some wine I'm a door-to-door wine investment salesman quite right, yes hello, Tuesday, hello. innit? Yeah, Mary Poppins, hello chimney sweep He somehow convinces the guard that he's there to sell a very rare wine bottle, which by the way there was a whole plot point of Tony getting that bottle, that rare wine bottle from a friend of hers that was, yeah, they, they give a backstory to the wine bottle. They give more of a backstory to the wine bottle than they do the cowboy detective. Yes. <laughs> Who, by the way, <laughs> absent from two thirds of the big scene. Yes. Absent from two thirds of the big finale. So, uh, actor boy is, is like, Talk, he's being face man this is what i said this reminded me of the a team he's doing the face man uh and he's sneaking on uh in, under the, the guise of 
of selling some wine. Meanwhile, athlete guy is setting up uh, a giant pole vault and he's vaulting over the barbed wire electric fence to get onto the property. So they've both snuck their way onto the property in their own special, unique ways, I guess. Uh, the actor guy says, ha ha, I have a gun on you now, Robert Loggia. Tell me where the girls are. And then Robert Loggia goes, I'm a, I'm a mob boss? Yes. I have more than one security guy with a gun. Yes. So then he has a it, gun pulled on him, and then... It's, like, I the entire time that it was, like, looking like it was going to work, I was like, so this is the dumbest criminal in all of human existence, huh? Which he is just falling for this unbelievably fake scheme. Um, so... Uh, they, the boys get out of it. He's being like led into the house to be also murdered along with the angels. Um, and he gets out of it, uh, by kicking slightly to his left where he just goes, he just does like a limp and like, "Eh," and kicks the gun out of the guy's hand and also knocks him unconscious with just like a little, little heel flick. And then he proceeds to get into like prolonged hand to hand combat. Um, one guy grabs, (laughs) A mace? Yeah, a not fucking a, not mace. A, 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 a metal thing with a spiked ball at the end. But a mace. A, is that a mace? A medieval mace, mace. A medieval yes. Mace. Yeah. And he just grabs one that's just, like, hanging on the wall? Yes! Like, it, but not, like, as if it's its art, but it, as if it's, like, a your emergency mace. I can't, I can't clear this enough. An... These guys are in a, like, tasteful Napa Valley patio. Yeah. Like... He, they look like they like they should be wearing chicos. <laughs> he, do, I really cannot emphasize enough the grabbing of this mace. He doesn't take it from like an art display or out. He doesn't like break glass on a case to get it or take it from like a knight, a suit of armor. There's just a mace on the wall that he is just like, well, this is my weapon of choice now. And there is just a prolonged fight scene where he's swinging a mace at actor guy who's just blocking it with lawn furniture for what feels like forever. Uh, uh, Olympian athlete boy. Bob. Bob. I'm not going to remember their fucking names. We've gotten this far and I still don't. They're still. Their names are Bob, Matt, and Cotton. They're they're Olympian boy, actor boy, and cowboy boy. Those are their names. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. So Bob boy uh, (laughs) also shows up and he subdues. He helps his actor friend. uh, He tackles a guy. And then... And then the, the mob boss, Robert Loggia, puts his wine bottle in his, his suitcase. I found that very funny. He puts it in a briefcase and then runs for his private plane. He just, like, says bye and just hightails it out of there. Because like, he, he mentions 400 times he's going north for business. And I assumed he was going to go to an airport. But it turns out he just has a, um, a small single-person plane in a field, just in a, an empty field next to, I'm assuming a runway, but it looks like basically a um, abandoned road. So he was just going to take off a plane from his backyard in the Napa Valley. And this is when Bob gets to truly shine and show <laughs> what he brings to the team. We just uh, we just watched him pole vault over barbed wire. That's cool, man. Yeah. You did your thing, Bob. <laughs> Which they're like. He's like, all right, you got to go catch him before he can get in that plane. It's pretty far away. Do you think you can catch him? And he's like, can I? 
I'm an Olympic champion athlete. And then he just runs and catches up with an old man. <laughs> like an old, out-of-shape man. Number one, no he doesn't. The old man, <laughs> the old man is already in the plane taking off. He does that. He, he like gets really far. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> number oh. two. Number two. The setup for this is actor guy asks him, actor boy, actor boy asks him, hey, what was your fastest time in the 440? Uh, it was like 54 seconds. Okay, then you better go catch him. So that's 440 meters, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's not that far. It's, it's a good chunk, but it's not that far. And clearly the plane is. 400 more than 440 meters away and he has to go upstairs i just it's such a dumb setup but yeah so so his big moment is that he runs and then goes ah shit yeah and then and then i dan which one of us wants to say what happens next i'm gonna be honest with you i zoned out for like five seconds how and how then... did you not <laughs> shut, okay because shut the fuck up yes, shut the fuck yeah. up because i'm gonna tell you the most amazing thing that happened all right so as soon as Bob goes, ah, no, I can't catch a plane when I'm running, Cotton, Cowboy Boy, who's been missing in action this entire time, no idea how he got onto the fucking premises, goes, don't worry, I have a horse, and a horse can catch a plane. <laughs> so he shows up out of nowhere on his horse, riding, and he rides behind the very small uh, single-person plane. I get that these planes aren't very, like fast and these planes aren't like particularly well built but here's what he fucking does my man he <laughs> runs up he, he trots up behind it he uses his rope he lassos the tail fin of the plane he attaches the rest of the tail fin he hits he hitches it to his uh, horse's saddle and instead of dragging the horse along ripping the horse's spine off out and killing (laughs) killing cotton immediately somehow he's able to pull back on this horse so hard that the tail fin of the plane snaps clean off the tail fin just goes crack and just breaks clean off because somebody attached it to a horse not only does this no, not only does this cause the tail fin to break, but at that point, I guess breaking off the tail fin makes the entire plane do a fucking somersault because it then just launches itself forward and flips end over end and lands upside down. They they drag Robert Loggia out and then the plane explodes again right. because of a rope. And a horse. <laughs> a rope cor- and a horse the- made this plane snap the fuck in half. <laughs> the realistic course of events is just like the Rope and a horse! Shot. It's just Robert Loggia's plane flying through the air, <laughs> dragging a limp, lifeless horse behind it. And just the pilot going, I'm going to be honest with you. I think we're going to have some trouble landing. <laughs> Just a just a, a frozen horse carcass being flown to Boston. Oh fuck! Oh, that's incredible. 
I I zoned out for like five seconds because I was like, Jesus Christ, they've been doing dumb shit for so long. And then it came back and I was like, he was in the plane or something and then he punched him. So he just was like, when the boys were planning this raid on a guy's house, they were like, Cotton, do you want to like come raid the house with us? There's three of us. There's three of them. We can just beat the shit out of these very out of shape old Italian guys. Uh, and Cotton was like, nah, man, I'm going to prep a cavalry charge. And they were like, what? And he was like, I'm going. I'm on my horse already. I drove a horse up here. Again, it, hang on, hang on. In, in, in Cotton's defense, again, this is my one thing. I have one thing. I am horse guy. That is yeah. all I bring to the table. I bring a rope and a horse, and apparently in this universe, that's the strongest thing in the world. <laughs> if Tony's boys had kept going, Cotton could have stopped 9-11. <laughs> he would need... Cotton up alongside the plane just with a lasso. I'd be like, I'm going to get him! <laughs> he would need three ropes and three horses. Yeah. But he could have stopped 9-11. <laughs> And then he would he would be like, oh, yeah, man, that's nothing. You should have seen this bull I caught in Sarasota. <laughs> just him with, like, a hog-tied 9-11 plane just being like, she put up a fight. <laughs> Tell you she got a lot of spirit. <sighs> so my question is, how did he get the horse there, Marty? How the how did he... <laughs> Again, the other two, they went into great detail to show us how they got onto the premises. We watched Bob put together a jab, a, a, a pole vaulting rod, which came in like five pieces. And we watched him screw together each and every one. Great detail on the other two. Cotton just shows up. We have two distinct possibilities. Cotton took a horse loaded it into one of those horse trailers, hooked it up to the back of his truck, drove it just off the premises, and then sat on a horse waiting for uh, for Robert Loggia to try to make his escape. Or, option two, the reason he was late was that's because it, it that's how long it took to ride a horse on the interstate to get there. <laughs> he was late because he had, he had to merge a horse onto I-95. <laughs> Both of them equally plausible, basically. <laughs> and then that's it. They rescue the, the girls. They rescue the angels. And they set women's lib back at least three decades. <laughs> and the boys are basically like, see, we're not so bad, are we? And the angels are like, you deserve some sort of spinoff. Ha <laughs> ha, group laughing. And then Bosley shows yeah, up. Yeah, Bosley, Bosley shows up all... for less than a minute. Uh, it actually says in the IMDb trivia that this is like, the shortest amount of time that Bosley is in an episode. Bosley, if you don't know, is, like, their liaison to Charlie. He's, like, a silly, goofy dude who shows up and is the comic relief and gives the the angels their missions or whatever. And in this episode, he's just like, so I was on vacation. Did anyone get kidnapped while I was gone? <laughs> and then they're like, Bosley, freeze frame. Based off of his name, they clearly intended to get John Bosley. For Tom this, Bosley, right? yeah, it was Tom. Tom Bosley, Bosley yeah, yeah. for this, yeah, it was clearly 100%. supposed to be Tom Bosley. And then they were like, "Well, fuck, let's let's just put his last name in the character's name and hope people make that association, and get a guy that vaguely looks like him." And that's it for this spinoff that predictably did not fucking happen. 
how good could Tony's boys have been, right? Let's 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 imagine. Well, that's what we'll do for this this series. Let's just go ahead and imagine, like, what what could this have been? Like, what what were the highest hopes there? Because again, we were already at the fucking low point of of this kind of show. We were at the low point of Charlie's Angels, and now you're pulling out the hot ladies mm-hmm. with personality, and you're replacing it with. The three dullest dudes I've ever seen. 100% their bet was ladies will line up for the beefcakes. They will be like, these dudes are hot. I want to watch them take off their shirts and solve mysteries. And, I mean, if our, if we're anything to go on, it didn't work. Um, but yeah, okay, so it gets, this hypothetical scenario where it gets picked up, and I'm assuming, charitably, runs for two seasons. Right. At best. I mean, the thing is, this was the 70s. 80% of the shows were like... It was not. Weird. It was not. It was 1980. It was 1980. This yeah. was the 80s? Yeah, this was 1980. More so. Yeah. yeah most shows were like, uh, there's a couple of guys, and they have to solve a crime. And they have... A, a dynamic like chips was around this would basically have just been chips with one extra dude <laughs> yeah yeah why would you need this you had chips you had yeah. chips you had 14 other shows that were exactly like this you had basically they reverse engineered blue bloods it would have sucked it would have been bland as hell there is i cannot believe they were trying to like basically miss the entire point of the show that they had successfully created what whatever fun or whatever audience they could have had would have been annihilated in three years when the actual A team comes on the air, right? One hundred percent. Oh, that's kind of the like they were kind of tr- they they had like the rough outline of the A team. Yes, they, and I think it, they were like they were like, what if there's like a group of dudes and they all have talents and they use those to like resolve situations. And they got the thing of like one of them should be like the face guy, like the guy. Yeah, they they nailed that guy part. Yeah, yeah. And then they were like the other two dudes. Um, what are the other kind of cool archetypes? Uh, Olympian athlete, people like pole vaulters, right? I just these these guys had had no fucking appeal. Yeah. I'm I'm now going back and I'm thinking about like who were the hottest guys in the seventies? The hottest guys in the seventies were all guys like. Like John Travolta, Harrison Ford, Burt Reynolds to a certain extent. Burt Reynolds was like the guy. The guy, right. Yeah. And all of those guys, right, even Travolta at that time had some edge to them. They also had the ability to do more than two facial expressions. Like these guys have happy and serious. Like that's all they had. Uh, okay so uh i think that's it so how do we want to end this like we wouldn't we would never watch this like this show would have fucking tanked yeah Yeah. i think the i think our only rating system was is would you green light this which the answer for us is a resounding no no. absolutely not god yeah what would would be the point of this all right so that's going to be it for this uh this episode of backdoor lovers uh (laughs) and I can't believe we fucking named it that. <laughs> you, you know how every once in a while the guys from Chapo Trap House say, God, I wish we hadn't named our fucking podcast Chapo Trap House? Yes. I feel like that's going to be us for a little bit in about six weeks. So there we go. This is the episode of Backdoor Lovers. Uh, 
as always. I'm going to giggle every time. As always. I'm seven. God damn it. As <laughs> always. I, I just want to go on record as saying Brianna said that the name of this was too on the nose and we were going to regret it. And you specifically said Brianna is wrong. And now we have a mini series called Backdoor Lovers. <laughs> as always, you can find us on the internet, uh, twitter.com. We are at Break Mayberry. Uh, join our Facebook group, Breaking Mayberry Fans. Uh, give us your money so that we can do stupid things. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Music you just heard, if I don't do the Charlie's Angels theme, was uh, made by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch at sleep, as Sleep Talkie. Oh, I do Twitch now. Uh, yeah, you, you Twitch. I do Twitch. You can watch uh, Sarah and I build Lego kits. Uh, we do fantasy football tarot readings now. I play video Dope. games. I play JRPGs uh, on Twitch. Yes, follow us on twitch.com slash bricksmarties. Uh, that's about it for that. So there we go. There's a. We are now one episode down of each of our mini series. I didn't think this was going to work, Dan. This is working. You've proven me wrong. Boom. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Don't let the back door hit you on the way out. Don't let the door hit you on the back. Don't don't let the back door hit you on the way out. I think that's it's 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 sleek. It's streamlined. It's gonna we're gonna make T-shirts off of that. It's it's gonna work. Solid. Don't let the back door hit you on the way out.